It's something I believe that the Holy Spirit enables us to have that hunger, that thirst for God's Word, but I also think it's something that we develop as well by the disciplines we have in our walk of faith and the things that we do on a daily basis, not just showing up on a Sunday morning for church, but what we do when we're not here with the brothers and sisters, how we conduct ourselves, how we feed ourselves, what are we feeding our minds with, what are we consuming when we're away from this place, are we listening to the Word, are we reading the Word of God, are we studying uh, books by Men and women of faith who have gone before us, are we learning from them? Instead of quarreling over the non-essentials, we should resolve to pursue, to seek earnestly, that of peace and edification. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today we're going to look at that in our study in Romans 14, verses 14 through 22. I titled it, as I said, Walk in Love. And we are going to see in verses 14 through 15, do not destroy, verses 16 through 18, the kingdom of God, and 19 through 23, pursue peace and edification. Then we also find that we are to pursue peace and edification, verses 19 through 23. I'll slow it down. I'll read the context. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine or do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. So he's wrapping up this chapter. Remember, he's talking about uh, three specific things in this chapter. He mentions all three of them in verse 20 where he talks about the food, or verse 21 actually, the the meat, the food we eat, the drink that we might have, and then the third one he doesn't mention there, but the day of the week that we worship. We're not to stumble a brother or sister over these things. We're not to 
quarrel over the non-essentials of our faith. We are to rather resolve to pursue peace and edification. We are to pursue it. It's a word that simply means to follow after or to seek earnestly. This is our quest that we have in Christ Jesus to seek earnestly those things that he would have for us in his word. To have a heart that hungers for the word of God. It's something that we should strive to have. It's something I believe that the Holy Spirit enables us to have that hunger, that thirst for God's word. But I also think it's something that we develop as well by the disciplines we have in our walk of faith and the things that we do on a daily basis, not just showing up on a Sunday morning for church, but what we do when we're not here with the brothers and sisters, how we conduct ourselves, how we feed ourselves, what are we feeding our minds with, what are we consuming when we're away from this place, are we listening to the word, are we reading the word of God, are we studying uh, books by Men and women of faith who have gone before us, are we learning from them? Instead of quarreling over the non-essentials, we should resolve to pursue, to seek earnestly, that of peace and edification. We've already seen this word for peace, having righteousness, peace, and joy. The same word here, he repeats it again. Remember, it's the opposite of war or dissension that we are to resolve to pursue peace, but also edification. Now, this Greek word, I like it. Just think of it this way, the act of building up. Has anybody ever built anything? A little model, maybe. Um, for the guys, maybe it was Lego logs that you would build a log cabin or something, or Legos as a child growing up. The act of building up is the sense of this Greek word. It means to build up a brother or sister in Christ. Let's see, did I get this in my notes? But he uses this word again, I did, in Ephesians 4.29, 4, that we are to build up one another. So thinking about this, we conduct ourselves and we think about how we function as brothers and sisters in Christ. We can ask the question, so things that I'm doing, is it actually helping to edify, to build up my brother or sister, or to tear them down? Paul is telling us that we should pursue peace and to build up, to edify one another. It's not the first time that this was mentioned in Scripture. Seeking peace in Psalm 34, 14, David said, Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. In Psalm 34, verses 11 through 16, David teaches how the individual is to rightly fear the Lord. First, we are to keep our tongues from evil. We're to keep our, our lips from speaking guile or deceit. So again, one way that we pursue peace, think about the words that we're actually speaking, what we're saying, what people are hearing coming out of our mouths. We are also to depart from evil, to do good. And it seems like this would be an easy thing to accomplish, but there's only one who has actually accomplished this in this world to holy perfection, and we know that to be Jesus Christ. But each day we have a choice as to how we are going to conduct ourselves, to strive for righteousness 
or to live in unrighteousness. May it be that we would strive to pursue peace and holiness each day of our lives. Again, this topic of pursuing peace, we find it in Hebrews 12, 14. The author of Hebrews says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Pursue peace with all people. To me, that speaks about both inside the church and outside the church, both with believers and unbelievers. We are to pursue peace. That Ephesians 4.21, I don't know why I keep saying 21. 4.29, I can see it right there. It says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. So we have a Christian radio station here at the church, WLGS 101.5 FM. You guys know that. We've been broadcasting for about 14 years. And one of the bands that we play on the radio, the name of the band is Building 429. Building 429 got the name of their band from Ephesians 429. When they were in youth group, this is what really encourages me as a pastor or maybe a Sunday school teacher or youth teacher or youth pastor. You never know the things that you say could go on to influence someone, but it was for this particular youth group where this band came out of, this was the theme of the youth group, to let no bad word come out of their mouth, but everything that was good to build up one another. And so building 429, to build up one another. This was the thought of this youth group that became, well, apparently they developed a worship team that now is uh, in mainstream Christian music. When I was several years ago now, uh, working and building a fireplace at our house, and I was out working on the chimney. I began the fireplace, I think, in late July or August, and I knew I had to have it buttoned up before the snow came. So I had a lot of work ahead of me, and I was just, whenever I could find time, you know, I, I would work on it, and maybe if I had everything done here at the uh, church, I'd run home to work a couple of hours, and I was by myself, mixed up some mortar, laying brick on the chimney, and there was some kids in the neighborhood, and our, our backyard backs up to other homes, and it's just kind of like there's a few fences, but a lot of it's open, and I heard some kids out playing, and one of the boys kept yelling a bad word loudly, one of the worst of the bad words that we have, and he kept yelling it, and I'm thinking, there are young kids in this neighborhood. They don't need to be hearing that. And finally, I turned around and I yelled and I said, and so I'm yelling across the neighborhood now. I said, hey! And I heard him respond. I said, watch your mouth. And then the response, okay. <laughs> and that was it. No more bad words. You know, sometimes we ha I've done that before. I've told adult males to watch how they are speaking, especially when my grandchildren are around. That's what I was thinking out 
at that time in our neighborhood. I knew their young children running around there. They didn't need to be hearing that. And so you take a stand. But not only take a stand, but you have to live it too. You don't warn someone else to watch how they're talking and then you use the same words yourself. No. Corrupt words, though, isn't always cussing or swearing. It could be hateful words, words that belittle or slander someone. As believers, our words are to bring about edification that we may impart grace to those who are around us. And so remember, it's not just about what we would deem the bad words, but how we are speaking with others. And guys are notoriously bad at this, at cutting each other and getting a laugh out of it. But we have to be careful how we conduct ourselves with others. Or even sometimes, you know, between friends, it's no big deal. It's like, this is how we always conduct ourselves. But if it's in hearing of others, how are other people perceiving it? In Colossians 4, 6, let your mouth always be with grace. Your speech, I mean, always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each other. You know, our goal should be to build up one another, not to tear them down. And then he says, verses 20 and 21, do not destroy the work of God. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. This word for do not destroy, it means to uh, destroy or to cast down one of the lexicons said of this, of this particular verse to destroy completely the efforts or the work of someone else, to destroy, to ruin utterly. And in Romans 14.20, the work of God involves the building up of the community of Christ, as I had said. And we could take and destroy utterly. You know, Paul takes it beyond, I believe, the food that we eat, that which we drink, the day of worship, that we may worship the Lord, to include anything that could cause a brother or sister to stumble, to be offended, those who are weakened in their faith. And we are not to destroy the work of God for the sake of these food. We're not to cause an offense to those. In Romans 14, 21, this causing to offense, it means to strike against the hand or the foot. And... We need to be considerate over the weak. For those who are weak in their faith, we'd need to come alongside to strengthen them. And sometimes we refrain in the presence of the freedoms that we might have. In context of the passage, again, in Romans 14, Paul knew that if his Jewish brother had a problem with pork, he wouldn't invite him over for, you know, bacon and eggs, sausage, bacon and eggs for breakfast. It doesn't mean that Paul couldn't eat sausage, bacon, and eggs, but he'd do it on his own time, that he wouldn't offend another. To refrain from these things, that you might either offend or cause a stumbling block to a weaker brother, or to weaken their faith. You know, that stumbling, that snare, that trap that we've already looked at, we are to build up. Remember, to build up the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 8, verses 11 through 13, he says, 
Because of your knowledge, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when you thus sin against the brother and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. So we may have certain freedoms. Remember, we're talking and dealing with the non-essentials of our faith. We can have certain freedoms to do certain things, but if those freedoms infringe upon someone who, in their faith in Jesus Christ, they have not been convinced of that same thing, it would actually cause them to stumble, then we need to refrain from those things. We don't want to cause the destroying of another person's faith. So a few weeks ago, we attended uh, a wedding, and there at the reception, Kevin, Melissa, the grandkids, for the majority of the grandkids, it was the first time they've ever attended a wedding, been at a reception, not the first, but, you know, everyone's a little different, but there at the wedding reception, there's always the toast going on. I remember when we had Kevin and Melissa's wedding here on the church grounds, and we would not allow alcohol. By the way, if you want to do a wedding on the church grounds, we do not allow alcohol on the church grounds, but we had some kind of look-alike bottles of some apple cider or whatever it was that some of the older folks that I went to church with, they were older to me, my parents' age, and they came to the wedding and they were refraining from the toast. And I had to go around and say, it's non-alcoholic, it's okay, You you can toast with us. But at the table at this wedding reception, our grandchildren got to witness us to refrain from the champagne. And, uh, you know, I, I know that some people are offended by that, but it's offensive to me as well. So you have to balance this. I have not had any alcoholic beverage since I was a teenager, and I'm not going to bend on that rule. I think it could weaken the faith of someone else if they see their pastor drinking. And so I choose not to. I Possibly through scripture, I could say that I have the freedom. I don't believe that I do. So this is what I'm convinced in my mind. And I think this is one of those non-essentials that we have to deal with. So for me, it would be sin. And so I don't. But my grandchildren got to witness how we stood on this. And we toast with water and we, you know, just exchange the champagne. They didn't even put it at our table, but exchanged it uh, for water and We still will toast, but it's not going to be the beverage that everybody else is using. Now, the other day, Lily and I, about two weeks ago, and Lily didn't see this, but I did. We're at a restaurant here in Lindenhurst, and there was a family sitting in my eyesight, a father, mother, and two kids. And the father had a beer, and the head was sitting on the beer, and he was allowing his little girl to sip the foam off the beer. I'm thinking, what in the world are you doing? That's what I wanted to say, because you are helping to introduce your child to drink. Well, it's not so bad. I can drink the foam. And she actually turned to her little brother and said, I drank the foam. She was bragging about it. It's just, to me, a step away from drinking the beverage. Maybe not. Maybe I'm pushing it too hard. But these were small kids. They weren't teenagers. They probably were just You know, barely in first or second grade, one of them wasn't even in school. So I would rather be 
the old guy at the wedding reception to say, no, thank you. And to be that witness and testimony to my grandchildren. But let me draw it out a little further. I just heard this uh, on the radio. It reminded me of my own story that I'd forgotten about. But in one of the broadcasts on the radio that we recently had another wedding reception that we were at. And I, I did the ceremony at this particular wedding and happened to, on the wedding rehearsal, ended up sitting next to a man named Bill, and we talked quite a bit that night. You know, just common conversation, I believe. But again, getting ready, for, prepared for the toast, the waitresses, the waiters going around filling up the champagne and everybody, and, you know, I, I refused the drink and would toast with water, and they did the toast, and afterwards I leaned over to Lily, and I said, did you see that Billy, because we were kind of sitting next to observe the head table, see that Billy refused the champagne. And I didn't see this, but Lily said, yes, he was watching you. And he saw what you did. And then when they came to him, he repeated the same thing. He was watching me. What's the preacher going to do? Now, I don't know Billy's backstory, but I didn't see him watching. And sometimes we think, well, we don't want to cause an offense Sometimes we're not sure who's watching. So we conduct ourselves in such a way that even if we know they're watching or not watching, we conduct ourselves to honor God in all things. In verse 22, do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. Now, Paul, regarding this question of faith, he seems to be pointing to the freedoms that we have found as believers in Jesus Christ especially, again, the context, food, drink, the day that we worship. Paul says these are personal freedoms over the non-essentials of our faith that we have. He said, if you have faith in these things, happy are you. You're approved before God. Uh, but he's also kind of saying, keep it between you and God. Such freedoms should make us happy in our worship. First John three twenty one, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And we have this confidence toward God, not in the works of our flesh, but because of the work of what Jesus has done through the work on the cross. Again, in 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than is in the world. It's this confidence that we have in Christ Jesus. It's because of the work of Jesus in our lives. But then he finishes in verse 23, to him who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is it not from faith is sin. So in contrast, the brother or sister who is weak in their faith, and that's how Paul put it, they're weak in their faith. They haven't found these freedoms over the non-essentials of their faith. They condemn their conscience by eating certain foods or drink. In their case, it becomes sin to them. The bottom line the strong Christian who has found these freedoms in Christ to eat certain foods, drink the day of the week that they worship, that's the context of Romans 14. They would sin against Jesus if in their freedom they would cause a weaker brother or sister to fall. But also in contrast to this, if the weaker brother or sister eats something that he or she feels is condemned by God, they too would be found in sin because of their lack of faith. 
may be that we would pursue peace and edification to build up rather than to tear down, to build up the body of Christ. We thank you, Father, for your word, for what it has encouraged us today. Lord, it, it is important as believers in Jesus Christ how we conduct ourselves. And I fear, Lord, in the day and age that we live in, there are many within the church that the they do not conduct themselves according to the standard of your word. And so, Lord, for them, they are tearing down instead of building up. And I know, Lord, I would have to say that we have all been guilty of tearing down. Lord, today I would ask that you would just help us to seek forgiveness for those times that we have tore down instead of building up. And help us, Lord, to to think about that, to be a people who would desire to pursue righteousness, peace, and joy, that you, Father, might be glorified and that others may see the work that your Son, our Savior, have done in our lives to redeem us, that others, Lord, who do not believe, might desire the salvation that we have already received. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Let